everything else versus Bitcoin essentially gets spent and dies. I want to be able to have reactive security. And I think OpVault is today the most straightforward, easiest to use way to do that. I will not be insulted by a clockmaker. <laughs> Overall, these kind of ways to make the network easier to both build on and interact with, I think is a really big deal. If Bitcoin existed when we started Twitter, we would not have to go down the ad model path. I mean, as simple as that. Integrating Lightning into a social network is the killer app. Hello, and welcome to the Bitcoin.Review podcast, where we explore developments and projects with the people who actually make them happen. The show is supported by Pod 2.0, Sat Streaming, and CoinKite. If you're a new listener, I'm NVK. I run CoinKite, where we've been helping people secure their Bitcoins for over a decade. We make the cold card and fun products like the block clock. You can find more information about it on CoinKite.com. Hello, and welcome back to the Bitcoin.Review, the professional list podcast show. Is it is it a show or a podcast? I don't know. Every Bitcoiner becomes a podcaster at the in a long enough timeline. Um, and talking about that, I have one of our greatest guests who aspires to be a podcast one day. Hello, Adele. It's a pleasure to be here, MVK. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thanks for coming, sir. <laughs> Mr. Pablo, hello. Hello. Thanks for having me over. It's a uh... We've been we've been on this call for like 15 minutes. It's already all downhill from here. It's got to be. I mean, we already had the people running Linux trying to reboot their laptops. <laughs> uh, hello, Craig. Welcome back, sir. The, the person who really ships shit here. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be back with all you other pros. And uh, Mr. Rob, aspiring to ship shit very soon. Aspiring, yes. Imminently, yes. Thanks for having me back. <laughs> Thanks for coming, guys. Talking about shitty Linux, I, I just got a call from DocHacks where he was screaming about Linux for the last hour in my ear. <laughs> He's like, I'm not looking for help or troubleshooting. And VK, can you just please just listen to me rant? It's just a therapy session. <laughs> it was seriously, it was so funny. <laughs> it's like the fucking USB doesn't work on this piece of shit software. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, so we have another show. CoinKite is hiring a web designer. We need a web designer. I know it may be obvious to some people, not obvious to other more technical people, but it would be nice to have a, a very good web designer. We want somebody who's really, really awesome at design. And they can be even a slightly, not that great, amazing at design, but just have a little bit of capacity of shipping their own shit. So um, if you don't want a nanny and you want to work in a company that actually ships shit, Come join us. The link is on the description. <laughs> How did I do there? <laughs> You're looking for a designer, but they don't have to be that good. No, no. They have to be amazing. But if they're just a little bit less amazing, but can shit their own shit, that would be great. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll, I will take a small 10% loss in their design capacity if they increase the 10% gain in uh, capacity to, to do good HTML and CSS. So, so you're looking for a C-subs that knows HTML, basically. It's not a good representation, <laughs> sir. <laughs> I'm looking at the tweet here. So it's also all of the meme domains as well, which that's like thousands of domains. It's like thousands of domains they need to design for. Oh, yeah. I know. And, and it's, it's like fucking endless amount of work. Um, and uh, yeah, you're going to have some fun. All right. Next is, uh, oh, yeah. 
So I, since I have a, a great uh, little panel here, before we start with all the the shitting on vulnerabilities, uh, we've been uh, orange peeling and purple peeling here in Costa Rica. And Jesus fucking Christ, all these apps are designed to save the world, save the global south. None of them work on 3G because they load the fucking JavaScript before they load all the UI and none of them have anything local. So essentially all the saving the world apps by all these white people in North America does not work in South America. It's amazing. So I really recommend you take your fucking team that builds these amazing lightning apps, all these Noster apps, okay? Come to the fucking beach here, okay? And try to do all the orange-purple peeling at, with two to three bars of 3G, okay? And then you go and you rebuild your stock. <laughs> but really, how do you guys feel about this? Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm living in sort of, Africa here, where lots of people don't even have smartphones, you know, I think you are dealing with a far better situation there if you've got 3, 3G, you know, people, you know, how do you send a Bitcoin transaction with a feature phone? There's actually, a, I don't know if they're on the list, but there's a company here called Manchukura that is working on that. That's, that's a different level. Like that's, <laughs> so there's, 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 there's all kinds of levels in this. I was going to bring up KG and his his service that I, I can't pronounce, but it sounded like Craig pronounced it really well. I mean, I, I think that's the bullish fundamental is we're seeing more people building for their people, right? People that actually live there on the ground. <laughs> yes. I mean, I think, you know, Moon with two U's is having a lot of issues with the high fee environment. But like part of the reason why they found early success was because it was Argentinians building for Argentinians, right? And that's why KG is finding a lot of success in Africa uh, with Man Manchin Cura. You know, uh, like, but it's, it's super cool. Like, cause like Central America is a little bit different than like, you know, like Africa problems kind of thing. It, it's like, you know, the, their economical capacity is a little bit better, right? Like they, they, they economically can, can, can afford a little more so they can get over the lightning fees, for example, right? It's, it's like they can still afford that because say renting a board is five, ten dollars, renting, you know, like a, a, a chair is that or, or, you know, buying some fruit. And, you know, because of Bitcoin jungle, every, like you can pay with Bitcoin anywhere in Costa Rica, for example, anywhere, hundred percent of it. Even if they don't even know Bitcoin, you can, there is a, an SS, an SMS sort of local payment system that, in, that interacts with Bitcoin jungle as well. Um, but the cool thing here is because you're used to expats, a lot of them understand a little bit better English. So there is this weird mix where they can, they, they understand that Bitcoin is great. <laughs> like the, the bitch is already done, right? And they are not seeking stable coins as much as the like other places, right? Because this place is not falling apart. It's actually like improving. So they are okay holding some Bitcoin for number go up. And I actually met with a guy who, you know, like bought a car because he, he, he had some Bitcoin from two years ago kind of thing. Like, it's amazing. So, but, but the cool thing is that the mix of like the primal style experience of Noster with like the, the, the custodial lightning app solution, like it's like they, they just fucking get it. <laughs> you know, you set them up with it. They put a picture of their surf, like, board rental company. And now they have essentially a profile. And they're ready to accept sats to pay for it. And people can pay them with sats already. Like, it's just fucking, everything's just right. If all these apps worked with low internet. 
Like we're like an inch away from everything just exploding here. I, I mean, I'll say that, you know, this is one of the beauties of, of open protocols like Bitcoin and Nostra, right? Which is, especially people in the Western world, they tend to, we, we tend to get stuck in our, our own perspectives. We're like, this is the best way. This is the only way. But the beauty is, is that we can have many different apps. We can have many different clients that have different trade-off balances. And on the Bitcoin side, I mean, you mentioned the Bitcoin jungle. Well, there's Bitcoin jungle, the community, which is actually like people on the ground, like spreading Bitcoin education, getting merchant adoption. But there's also... It's more like a bunch of annoying Bitcoiners trying to convince the locals to take it. Yeah, and that always is. <laughs> With love. There's the Bitcoin Jungle, the wallet app, which is built on the Galoi stack, which came out of El Salvador, right? And they make specific trade-offs, right? They have a two of three collaborative multi-sig that holds the majority of the funds. They have a custodial lightning wallet. Um, and, and, with, and then you also mentioned Primal, right? And so Primal gets a lot of hate from Nostra purists because it uses this caching server model, right? The Primal app is, is relatively new, but... It, it goes to reason that in a low bandwidth environment, that kind of model is going to work way better than a, a pure Noster client model where it's just hitting all the relays all the time. Yeah, no, it, it's it's not that simple, right? Because like even with the caching system model, it's like it still needs to like download everything from the caching server. Some sometimes the the local relay actually does better. It's kind of all over the place. There's a lot of learning to find the right sort of path model. But I think you're bang on 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 like the like the, the conceptually like what's going on. Um and, and it's actually happening. It's not like the usual sort of you know a bunch of Bitcoiners sort of pretending that there is adoption happening somewhere in the world kind of thing. <laughs> There's a lot of that in the world. I think this is the first time I ever experienced for real, like one of the fruit stand guys, uh, like he wanted to put his whole life savings in Bitcoin and his wife is like, not so sure. So I'm like, I think you should listen to your wife, you know, like how about 50, 50 kind of thing? Because like they all see stories now because it's been here for a few years of like number go up story. Right. And, and, and it's not like they're trying to get rich quick. It's just, you know, again, trying to not get poor slowly. Right. And, and and they they get it, and because there is the gringo sort of variable here, the like the, the dollars do come in, right? As opposed to other places where there is like less dollars coming in, and it's more like a local economy. Anyways, super super cool. I think I, I don't know. I've been impressed for the first time with like on the ground actual Bitcoin adoption that that is not uh, LARPing. NBK Johnny wants you to know stop hitting the desk. I can't, Johnny. I am excited. <laughs> 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 and i'm hot as fuck this house is so hot <laughs> um all right so moving on to the next topic <laughs> craig Rott is a fraud in court now right craig right craig oh jesus Christ. <laughs> so, no craig, he's no, on craig. the show Thank how you. can you do that <laughs> yeah i know that's the best part so Craig, the last show, I kept on being corrected every five minutes. The dyslexic brain cannot handle two last names. You're looking at the man and calling him a fraud. I know. That's why it's so bad. All I can say is that hopefully in a few weeks' time, we will never have to think about the other Craig. We can, we can just go back to everyone's name being kind of without, without these kind of things. Thank you, Craig, for being so gracious. Uh, I'm going to just call him... Oh, Jesus Christ. Fake Toshi? <laughs> I can't get this wrong. CSW. I'm just going to call him Fake Toshi. 
Man, like what a shit show the trial is for the people like who are not on Twitter, which seems to be a lot of people these days. Smart. <laughs> Smart. There is the, the trial has, has been tweeted lively. And uh, my God, is brutal. <laughs> it's so brutal. It's so embarrassing. <laughs> that guy is really grasping for air there. Hopefully he's going to be dropping the soap in prison soon. I saw some of the updates. He basically told his law firm that some documents were like forgeries, apparently. And then like they were still, the law firm did not disclose to the other side. They knew they were fake documents. So like it, Peter was tweeting about that. Wait, he said that they were fake? Yeah. So, so for the people who don't understand, because they're Americans, in, in, like, in the common laws, like outside of, outside of the, the common law 1.0, okay, not the common law 2.0 that America has, the sides have to like, release all the information to each other to it's entirely between the two parties before the trial, right? Like you can't withhold stuff. And I believe in the US you can, that's why. No, I think we have that in America too. But they we hold all the time. I, I've seen the good wife, dude. It's it's called discovery. It's called discovery. I've seen the good wife. Okay. And in the good wife. Not a documentary. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anyways, I don't understand the American system fully. I don't either. But I'm just saying, in in the British style of trial shit, both sides have to like disclose like literally everything. There's no withholding. There is no anyways. You you can't misrepresent anything. It's just it's almost like a pre-trial sort of let's wash the the yeah. the laundry with each other. Anyways, the more important aspect here is this is the first offensive case against Craig. It's done by Copa, which was a group which was a group of companies that went out and sued Craig, right? They went after him instead of usually it's it's Craig going out and attacking people with his bullshit. Um yeah, no, you know, like it's one is very expensive and two is done in a jurisdiction that is very unfavorable, right? If this whole thing was done in the US, it would be even saltier. It would be really fun to, because, you know, like outside of America, you can't sue somebody for like damages in the way you can sue somebody in America for damages. <laughs> it's a many zeros difference. So I just hope that after there is this precedent, people can sue Craig Wright for all the money he doesn't even have. Yeah, it seems like him and his backers are are running dry on money, which is the the single biggest bullish fundamental. Well, I think the the one thing that is clear is that if he loses this case, then all of the cases that he has against others in, are immediately lost. They they are they are null and void, so they go away, which I think is is a big big deal. Just right there. Absolutely. Well, the, the sad part is that as usual, just the lawyers win. <laughs> you know, that is true in in life in so many ways. Is, is there is there a chance that he could go to jail? Is that like in the cards? Oh, absolutely. I mean, perjury in court technically is, is like a big deal, right? Should we bet on it? I, I don't know, man. I have a, I have a, a feeling that this guy is going to... He's very good at getting away with it, with stuff. So he's going to find some way of at least not going to jail. He's still going to be broke. He's already broke. He's just going to be extra broke. Unless he can move the Satoshi coins. <laughs> well, he's, he's, they're going to have to put convicted fraudster on his name if he loses it surely i mean if there's a yeah, he wouldn't be running out of money if he uh could move the satoshi coins he would have plenty of money to do the lawsuit if he could i mean he could even bore against it he doesn't even have to sell the coins <laughs> <laughs> just sign a message 
Wait, isn't that like how part of the scam started, right? It was like he was in trouble in Australia and he was he was almost using that as both like reputational and financial collateral that he was Satoshi. I should have done that, you know, like one day just go like to the bank. <laughs> like, look, these are my coins. Just show the address. <laughs> that would be so funny. <laughs> Can you imagine if the banker said, oh, okay, sure. Here's some money. <laughs> oh, if it was only like that to borrow against Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go to the vulnerabilities part of the show. Linux developers are in the process of patching a high-severity vulnerability that, in many cases, allows the installation of malware that runs at a firmware level, giving infections access to the deepest parts of a device uh, where they're hard to detect or remove. So... I mean, I, I, I could read the rest here, but I think this is the part where I say don't use general purpose computers, especially the next computers as your hardware wallet, because it's, it's really bad. You know, this is like Linux developers finally sort of like hearing this thing that is the, called the firmware that's below the OS, um, where there's a lot of shit that runs, like, you know, your drivers. Anyways, this, this, this one is brutal. And I think they're withholding some parts of the disclosure still because they're still patching. And uh, I highly recommend reading this Ars Technica article on it that we linked to. Yeah, I think it's important to say that it's very unlikely anyone, you know, anyone's actually going to be directly affected by it. It requires some kind of strange boot from HTTP, like unencrypted HTTP server. Um, so from what I understood from the article, it is not, it's not like everyone should freak out. Yes. Well, but you know, it's, it's, it's like the premise, right? Like every, like there is this idea that like, at least I see around like Linux users, especially like people who are not super technical. They just heard that Linux is great. They just assume that like, oh, it's not windows. Therefore it's secure. Right. And <laughs> it's definitely not true. <laughs> I mean, you could say that about FreeBSD, but we're we're not gonna go there. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, like it, it's not about like like fighting. This is definitely like an attack that's like you know like hard to achieve. But I, I think it really sort of educates a lot of people who are not super technical about how systems work and complexity of systems and how you have subsystems that are like you know not designed for some kinds of security expectations that people may have. You know. It's it's millions of lines of code, right? And then and then below that you have you know millions of lines of code running on chips, <laughs> that you know, and hundreds of chips, you know, in a modern laptop or 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 Raspberry Pi or whatever. Like it's it it really it really is a lot under the hood to to be reviewed, and 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 that's and I'm gonna keep on harping this for years. Clearly, that you know. The reason why hardware wallets like are so limited and have those shitty screens and have like, you know, are slow and and all these things is because, you know, the best sort of like secured approach to this stuff is like you make it as simple as possible. You run it as close to the bare silicone as you can so that you have less stuff running, right? Because there is bugs, there is all kinds of problems. And so if you have less, less is more in the case of security. Right. The, the Java card industry understood this, you know, almost a couple decades ago now. And what they do is you have this like extremely limited system, right? The Java card. And 
and you have this insanely anal API to it that doesn't allow the people building solutions around it to connect to it like in a way that's wrong. So they fare well in the market, even though they're not perfect. They, they are some of the most secure solutions out there still. I don't know. It, it's just, I just, you know, it's a, it, I just wish people would read these things and, and sort of understand that like you just can't secure the systems in the way that people tell them they could secure the systems. Yeah, no, look, I, I get it. You know, I think that the, the the sort of layman comes in and judges a system by how nice the UI is and, you know, the number of features. And, and you know, that's the common way to judge, judge it, not like how simple is this? Uh, that's not almost how we're trained to look at things. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's a very different mindset. So I think it's an important mindset to have. So I, I agree with that. It's, uh, it definitely makes sense. You know, the more stuff that you layer on top, the more likelihood that there is a bug, that there's something to exploit, it's better just to try and keep everything as simple as you can. And if that means that your competitor has more features than you, maybe that's okay because at some point down the line, maybe one of those features gets an exploit. So, yeah, so I, I, I do see that point. Yeah, it, you know, it, it's just complexity versus security. It's always been, it's always a, a, a trade-off thing and, and it's going to go on forever, right? Because... Eventually, we're going to have Bitcoin features that require a lot of horsepower, and they might not be available to devices that are more secure, right? Like it's possible, or maybe we get vaults, and then you don't need to worry as much about the security of the device. Like maybe there is no hardware wallets anymore in the future. <laughs> you know, they'll be amazing. <laughs> we can just make clocks and talk about something else. Well, you 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 would still need to interact with the chain somewhere secure, right? You're designing your op vault, but if you're signing the op vault somewhere insecure, then you're fucked. Yeah, but you know, but the thresholds would change, right? Yeah. You would care less about the specific key. Right. I think certain things like just thinking about like the other kind of features, if you were having to pre-compute a bunch of things because you're using like CTV, that may be something that's outside of the scope of a hardware wallet. So you're going to try like if the if your hardware wallet's the one holding the private keys, you're still committing to other transaction states and maybe that's like a SATS link. Maybe there's other solutions and other like um, triple checking, cross-verifying things. But definitely as just talking about like as Bitcoin kind of changes and updates, those are things that are part of the design space and considering of like, where do we set the barbed wire fence in the bunker and where do we kind of have a more permissible thing? Right. Everyone who transacts with Bitcoin in listening in this audience probably has a hardware wallet and they have some software like Sparrow that's talking to the internet that's on a lower security system because that has to talk to the network, right? Inherently, at some point, has to get talking to the internet. And there's layers of how you can complicate that. But I think the overall message, though, is that the illusion of just because it's Linux that it's secure is not a sound tautology of a loop and holding private keys just in a plain Linux box that you pick up from Best Buy and run on your computer, like, not advisable if you're talking about serious amounts of money. But also at the at the same time, we're, a bunch of us have been losing a ton of money running lightning nodes, hot wallets. <laughs> yes. I don't even, at this point, I, the single best feature, I think, as a, as a node operator would be if there was just like a big, big text on the top of my UI that just said how much money I've lost because I don't even <laughs> know how much money I've lost. Are these forced closes? Dude, one of my nodes has over 1,300 closed channels during its lifetime. I can't even, I don't want to calculate it, but if I did, it'd be nice if it was just on the top. So you're getting forced closed, like justice transactioned? No, 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 no. Just regular, like regular closes for the most part. No, you know, no 
I don't think there's been attacks. <laughs> I'm not sure if there have been or not, but even just normal closed channels, like that shit adds up. 1,300 closed channels on one node. It's a five-year node, right? It's been going for a while. But also, like, I also don't know if I've lost other money besides that. <laughs> no idea. Just kind of, you put it on the node and you just hope that that it'll still be there. I mean, self-custodial lightning is such a bag of hurt that I, yeah, sorry, no. I have such a love-hate relationship because it's it's definitely, it's a very useful, helpful tool, right? Like I, I take great benefit from it. That's why I run five of them for different things. But also it's just exhausting and expensive and just a massive mental burden. Even on the other side of the coin here, you know, like you have something like Tails, right? Tails is it's pretty solid. I mean, like it's really well done, well thought, but like it's still running on a computer that can retain RAM, right? Like, you know, you can have a subsystem like withholding like information in RAM for, for later retrieval, right? Like it, it really is hard. It's a hard problem because the, the secret needs to be in memory in order for you to compute the secret. It's, it's just one of those cache 22 problems, right? And who knows, maybe one day we get homomorphic, homomorphic cryptography and then that's it, everything is fixed. <laughs> It'll be right about the time we have a Dyson sphere. <laughs> so uh, next, uh, breaking, oh, there you go, breaking a uh, BitLocker. Uh, this was uh, bypassing the Windows disk encryption, which was uh, after, so, there was uh, first was VeriCrypt and then Vera. No, no. Before VeriCrypt was TrueCrypt, then it switched to VeriCrypt. Well, no, BitLocker is built into Windows, right? TrueCrypt and VeriCrypt. I don't think I don't think TrueCrypt and VeriCrypt were ever built into Windows. This was like Microsoft's. M Microsoft did this to get, to compete with, with Mac, right? Because Mac had their whatever their built-in encryption is. So no, so so the thing though is. TrueCrypt, VeraCrypt were always the solution that people who had Windows were using, right? Because there was nothing else. Yep. And th this is like, to say it's abhorrent is like, is an understatement. Okay. This is what they did. Funny enough, the secure element worked. Okay. The problem is the API that they designed around their secure element was retarded. So the <laughs> they get the secret to decrypt the disk from the secure element in clear text. <laughs> so, and, and the bus is very accessible. So it takes the guy longer to remove the screws from the laptop than it takes for him to probe the bus and read the secret. I saw that video. It was like 30 seconds. And 20 seconds of that was unscrewing the laptop. That's right. And there's been, by the way, like a hard wallets in the market that we're not encrypting. I'm not going to get into that because it's just a bag of heart of conversation. But we're not encrypting between secure element and 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 the processing, right? Or decrypting the key. And like the bus is a kind of a big deal. <laughs> and if you have your secrets just running around unencrypted on the bus, right? Like you just read it. Like, And you can kind of read it remotely if you have the right kind of leakage on that side channel, right? It can be quite disastrous, uh, but it, it's just like another one. It's like don't don't do this, right? Like don't don't use laptops to hold secrets uh, that are of of no return kind of secrets. Like Bitcoin, it's not a password. <laughs> so that was a nice one too. All right, I wanted to get you guys' opinion. That's why I added this here. So I was just thinking, like, remember the Orchestra attacks that. Uh, um, 
CKP, I always forget, HKP, was describing 2014 on the, on the FreeBSD talk about like state actors just sort of, you know, doing a bunch of sort of social shenanigans, right? Trying to add bugs to software and all that stuff, which they do. So I was just thinking like, as, as the space grows a little, and, and the shitcoin environment always reminds me of how possible this is, because there's this like other 100 million people out there who I don't interact with, who have this whole ecosystem, right, of like shitcoin guides, shitcoin solutions and everything else. The amount of like guides that could be out there that are just evil, like, you know, just, just, oh, you, you send your, I know this one is retarded, but like you send your seed to this email for you to set up your hardware wallet, right? Like that, that kind of stuff. And like, you know, the average victim is completely like, you know, fucked with this kind of shit. It's just too easy. Well, forget about the average victim. I mean, you don't even need state actors to do that. Like the average educator influencer is just releasing shitty guides all the time. We had a version of this, right, with mastering Bitcoin and the Lit Bitcoin library, right? It was like, here, if you want to generate a wallet, follow this tutorial. And then the, the, the code changed and it was using bad entropy. And people were just following the textbook. Like you bought a Bitcoin textbook to like do Bitcoin stuff. And then you follow the instructions and the money's gone. Craig, you know, you, you, you deal with a fair bit of users too. Like, have you seen any interesting guides that picked your fancy of like, you know, this is borderline malicious, you know? Yeah, I mean, nothing of that sort. I mean, you know, what I will say is this, I'm not sure how many people are sort of aware of this, but we know Sparrow has a Telegram chat. Any noob who comes on there and asks a question, which clearly indicates that they are not an experienced user, gets, you know, one, two, three messages within five minutes, often gets a phone call. Um, you know, it's, it is, it is, there are entire teams around the world who are devoted, clearly, because it happens 24-7, literally every day of the week. So, yeah, I mean, the stuff is very real. I, you know, I deal with it every day. You know, it's, it's, it's extremely normal, actually. You know, I haven't actually seen any, any bad guides. Um, obviously, I've seen lots and lots of bad apps. You know, there's lots of bad Sparrow Wallet apps. I do tweet about them from time, time to time. But yeah, it's I wouldn't be surprised if they, if I see a bad bad guide. You know, part of my job is actually just going around and asking various domains and domain hold, you know, domain name sites and so so forth to take down domains and take down apps and that kind of thing. It's just constant and it's only going to get get worse. So, yeah. I would say that Craig though is a, an example of the the single highest lift lowest lift solution to this or, or maybe not even low lift because he's put a lot of effort into it but just the he has such intense documentation and guides on his own website which is kind of like that's the most productive way of of trying to solve or mitigate this is you just out compete them and and provide very easy to follow guides on your actual website yeah i mean the 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 actual way to out compete them is to make an app which is easy enough to use so people don't feel the need for a guide in the first place. That's that's actually goal number number one. That's true. But also the, the gate is the SEO, right? Like if they never get to your website, they never get to your app, they just go Bitcoin wallet and they end up in a spiral looking lookalike wallet that trust wallet. I mean, like let's start let's start with the fact that like, you know, ninety-nine percent of the people cannot check signatures, right? Especially detached signatures on, on a piece of software. So like, how, how, you know, it's, it's just too easy to put a piece of software on a website that claims that, you know, is like close enough to the name of the project 
and and then you know especially for for signer wallets right and, and then like if the device cannot check the integrity of the software and sort of put a warning on like you know money gone and and you know it, it's nice now and cozy because we're still like a reasonably small industry right but like you know you already see what happens to ledger and trezor in terms of amazon or preloaded uh devices on on uh, ebay and stuff with seeds you know as as this space grows a bit more it's going to be that the incentive is just too high, right? To, to go attack this low hanging fruit kind of stuff. MVK, I asked you for this product a couple of years ago, but now that like we're on the eve of Satslink, I'm curious, and you have like the binary watch website. So you have all the keys, the public keys that are signing all this software. Is there any interest in, in a hardware device that, that checks signatures? Like I, I feel like that would be way easier for people, the average person, if they could just take the download file, put it on an SD card, stick it in their sats link. And like, if it uses Craig's key, like it says Sparrow's good, then they take it back, they put it on their computer and they do it. Yeah, but see, the, the problem with that is this, right? Like, first of all, you know, I love Craig. So let's use a different example. Uh, <laughs> Which Craig? <laughs> yeah, like, let, let's, say, let's say, for example, you know, like Bitcoin Core, okay? Let's say I put Bitcoin Core, one of Bitcoin Core dev keys into cold card, right? And now people start using cold cards list of keys as their heuristic of trust. Yep. What if that one core dev goes wrong and then he makes a Bitcoin core version that increases the block size by two, right? And and he he signs the software. Well, you're not verifying that, but verifying signatures on your on your computer the normal way doesn't solve that either. Well, the the problem is there is no in an anarchic voluntary system. There is no single source of truth, right? No, but like, what keys are you watching for binary watch? Like, you're doing that already. Yes, but that requires people to go and follow that bot. That's a really huge burden, right? So only the nerds are doing that, and the nerds have the capacity, and, and they're able to discern between having some truth and not like, and, and not having any truth or having all the truth. But I'm kind of I'm talking about this from like a nerd adjacent, right? So it's like to me, it's almost like Uncle Jim, right? I you created the Uncle Jim bundle for me because it made it easier for me and my guides. And when I tell people like just buy the Uncle Jim bundle, well, what if that came with like a Sats Link device that also verified signatures for the popular projects that we we recommend to them, and then they can just do that? Well, the cool thing about Sats Link is that you don't have to you don't have to ask me that that anybody can write that piece of software and run it. Yeah, it sounds like. You're looking for like a PGP keychain app that can run on the SATS link. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that requires OpenSSL. It's not going to be on cold card. <laughs> We're never going to put <laughs> OpenSSL on cold card. Never. <laughs> I'm saying SATS link, SATS link specifically. Yes. That's more possible. There is, I think, a subset of OpenSSL that runs on ESP32. So yeah, that, that could be done. It's a really interesting question. I mean, I've considered many times, like, should I build the verification check into Sparrow itself? So if you have the first version of Sparrow, you can verify sub subsequent downloads, right? But obviously, there's a risk to that, that if the first version's wrong, people will just go and verify it and it'll, it'll look, look good. But I mean, it's, it's not an awful, you know, thing. You should do that. I like that. Should I have a separate app that people can download that you can then use to verify every Sparrow. So you verify that app once, and then it, you can just use it to verify everything, right? I could build that, but ideally somebody else should build that, right? Because what you really want is, has, is, 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 is it not to be me, right? You wanna have an independent guy 
No, but signature verification signature verification doesn't protect people from you. Like, that's not the threat model. It protects from the man in the middle. But Matt, who chooses the keys? Craig does. It's it's not protecting against Craig. Like, when you verify signatures, you're not you're not protecting against the maintainer. You're protecting against someone slipping a malicious package in between you and the maintainer. See, for example, let me maybe give some of the dynamics on Binary Watch, right? So first, why is it not open source server, right? Well, because we don't want the bad guys to know the timing in which we check the the, the binaries and all that stuff. And uh, two is because like why it is just like a Twitter account and like run by us, right? Because this interests us and, and it's our source of trust, like for ourselves, right? So we built it for ourselves to go and check those things for us because we use a lot of those, those software, right? Is it great that people do that? Like follow it? Yes. Should more people follow it? Yes. But ideally, they get inspired and they go build their own. What we need is multiples. We need multiple people attacking this problem with their own code. Okay? Because this is the classic cat and mouse problem with attackers. Like this specific problem, right? Like, and, and again, and the other issue is that like if I build, if I build a fake website for a project that does not attest firmware, right? I can put the signatures there. I can create a new account, right, on ProtonMail or something. Create a valid signature. Put it there. Okay, it's just the names are close enough, right? And people will download that because it's better SEO or something, right? And the, the issue is that, like, people need to learn to do that or the device needs to do it for them. Ideally, the device, the device does it for them. Craig having previous the previous version verify the signature of the next version fixes that. It mitigates that. Yeah, I would agree with that. So one of the things you 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 know you could you can also do is then just, well, why doesn't Sparrow just have an update function, right? And not not an automatic update function, but just an update function, right? You know, now now you're starting to get into some interesting areas. You know, now you're trusting Sparrow to go off and download the right right version. What happens if there's a man in the middle attack? All kinds of things could happen there, you know, I, I'm actually interested to know what people want, you know, that's... Uh... There's a project here by Fran, uh, here in uh, Southern Engineering, that um, he's working on a, on a project, it's called Substore, and the basic idea is to leverage Nostr and the Nostr graphs to do App, App Store, App Store distribution, which is going to uh, check signatures for the binaries with the end pub, with the key of the author. And one of the cool things is, is that because it's Nostr, it can leverage the web of trust. So you search for Sparrow, there are 1,500 clones of Sparrow with all kinds of malware, which is the real Sparrow. The Sparrow that you're, you're, the people that you follow, the people that you already trust in some way, are, are, is the one that they are using. So there are a bunch of other Craigs, uh, Craig Ross and Craig Wrights, all kinds of Craigs. <laughs> and and you, find, you find the real Sparrow, you check the signature, and it's all happening naturally without, without, without any kind of hierarchy. You know, the, I would highly, highly discourage you to have updates, like auto-updates. That, that's a major, major, like, uh, security hole. Like, you know, because we, we seen this with, with Electrum, right? Like, you know, somebody, now, now your server that, that serves the update is a major, major honeypot, right? Like, it's a major target because you would automatically, like, it already is, you could say, because it's serving the binary, whatever, right? I think yours is on GitHub, but still, 
but the problem is once it's automatic, now it's like just you just up the interest on that server by a thousand, right? Because <laughs> if they just change the firmware binary there, it, like boom, like they will in fact like a ton of people. For what it's worth, Wasabi does that. Yeah, you really don't want to do that. It's a terrible idea. Yeah, the, and and then the the other question is, you know, do I put this onto an app store? So last weekend, I had to. I had to talk to to the admins at I think Flathub and whatever the Snap Store one is because there was a a rogue malicious presumably malware Sparrow wallet that somebody in Russia had created and put up onto both of those. So now the question is like, do I go on the Mac App Store? Like then I am trusting Apple. You know, Apple's now I I have no more control of that. Right? It's an interesting question though because you could say, well, you know, Apple they're not so bad. But on the other hand, I don't think that's a great idea because... You know, Craig, I think we talked a little bit about this, right? Like, you know, if we live in the fiat world and we have to do some fiat problems. I mean, like, I, I, you know, I commend you for not participating, but like trademarks do resolve that problem, right? You fucking send a letter to Apple, they'll take it down. You know, I understand not wanting to do that. That's very fair sort of thing. Like what some with a lot of projects do is create like a little foundation or something. And all that they do is just handle that. So it's not you who just want to write software and fuck all this shit. Right. But uh, another thing you can do is you could maybe just release an app that does nothing. It's just a link to your website. I was about to say that. There should literally just be a placeholder app and download and be like, if there is no app, <laughs> just be like, if you download one, it's a scam. Yeah. I mean, you know, realistically speaking, you know, in the real practical world, there is really two, three places where you really have to defend because that's where the majority of the eyeballs are at, right? The rest of the stuff is all slim pickings. And that is the reason why the bad guys really go after Google Play Store and Apple, right? Because that's the majority of the people. So, you know, maybe releasing an app there and just saving the namespace, you know, it's a solution. Is it perfect? No. Will other people still try to release a... a, a a wallet with a slightly different name or something, but you know now you're claiming impersonation and you know the fiat games, right? And and you have more protections. But anyway, yeah, thanks. No, the, the, look, I, I am looking into the meat space stuff now. It is becoming more more real for sure. I'm still not convinced about putting Sparrow onto an app store. I mean, the idea of putting a sort of empty app there is an idea. It seems a bit odd, but you know, you could. I don't know. I kind of like the decentralized nature of the internet and app stores are just these big centralized, you know, it, it just, it doesn't sit well with me. I don't know what I can say, but, but it is one of those open questions and I like to always survey people because, you know, you can have different views on it. Yeah. I mean, you know, there is, there is no simple answers. That's, that's the reality of all this stuff. Right. And, you know, and the simple answers are all like, you know, walled gardens. You know, like people love to shit on Apple, including me, about this. But, you know, like when you have, you know, 30, 40 percent of the total users of phones in the planet. Right. And you have all these people hitting your support of issues and you have grandmas being like robbed and you have whatever. Like, I mean, it makes sense, right, that they want to have a walled garden and like they want to defend the experience of, of their platform. Right. Is there wrong from a, pr a freedom perspective? Absolutely. Right. But. Still, like, I, I understand, aside from the nefarious profit bullshit that they have with the 30% of the app, whatever, still, like, there is an argument to be made about keeping people safe who don't know better and, you know, from the perspective of no freedom, right? Which is why I think it's a great feature when a 
app verifies the signatures of the next update. I mean, we could. It's a nice middle ground, right? Like most people have Apple and Google verify their signatures for them. Well, it would be nice if my like previous Sparrow install did it. Because if I'm onboarding someone, I can make sure they install a good Sparrow version in the beginning where it's from Craig. So only Craig could be the one rugging them. Yeah. And then after that, every time they update, they know their previous version checks it. Because I know they're not going to actually verify the signatures, even though Craig has a great guide on his website where you can where you can go through the process of verifying signatures on all the different platforms. Doesn't like Graphene have a feature where like once you securely install one Graphene, it will validate other Graphene phones? It's even cooler than that. You don't actually need a. You can have any Android phone that's not running Graphene. You just install that app and then you do it through QR codes and it verifies the Graphene install. So you don't actually need an existing Graphene device. You just need an Android device. You know, many, many years ago, this was like first version of Cold Card. I thought about just putting a list of like the hash of like a bunch of software in it. So at least you have a list of hashes you could just compare on screen. Like, especially for core at the time, you know, we were looking at UASFs and all kinds of shit. So like, I, I, I just wanted to have, but, and I just, I, I have never come to like a, a, I want to say like a complete thought on this in order to build something, but you know, may, maybe on Satslink makes sense, man. Satslink could do it with QR codes, actually, now that we're talking about the graphene stuff. Like, you don't even need to take the install and put it on the SD yeah. card. You can just have the machine hash and show the 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 signed hash as a QR code and then have the Satslink uh, scan that. Yeah. I think that makes sense, right? It's tricky. Inter Interrupt, no, interrupt between... You're going to need to have things generating a QR that you have to trust to read the QR. Right, because the QR code could just be could show the correct one. And... No, no, the the best scam is to just show the signature on the website. Like, look, this is the real signature. SD card works though. You put the actual file on the SD card that you're going to install. Now, you, yeah, but then you have to have all the stack to do that that checking, right? Like, these these things are not simple. But but it's funny enough. Like Apple, Microsoft, all these companies do this right between their devices, so that you know nobody's stealing their software, kind of thing. But yeah. Okay, Matt, we're going to look into that. Sweet. <laughs> I will too. Thanks, Craig. And, and, then, and then Craig is going to make a barbecue QR for us with the... with the. <laughs> Are we at the stage of the show where we make feature requests for Sparrow? That's right. <laughs> uh, wait, no, we, we, should, we should wait for the Sparrow. Already? The Sparrow entry is coming. We, we just haven't made... It's almost an hour in. We haven't got the software updates. <laughs> All right, Mastodon critical vulnerability, remote user impersonation takeover. Mastodon is a shitcoin. There is no signatures. <laughs> you don't own your ID. You know, like, as uh, one of my competitors that I didn't know host the content can attest to this, I deleted his account on my Mastodon instance. So benevolent dictatorships are not a good solution for free speech. <laughs> especially especially when the dictator is not even benevolent. So. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. Just the dictators. <laughs> just a dictator. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like El Salvador. But anyways, moving on to... Uh, yeah, don't use Mastodon. There is Noster now. Much better discoverability. It's just like a search engine. <laughs> so many jokes here. <laughs> anyways, all right. Bitcoin software update. Net enable V2 transport. Merging to 
merging to core, it's going to become also default. That's great. So now your Bitcoin core client can talk encrypted with another Bitcoin client default. We can hear you typing, Rob, and MVK stop slamming on the table. <laughs> it's not a table anymore. It's the arm of a sofa. <laughs> uh, all right. Johnny's begging. <laughs> Johnny's begging. Sorry, Johnny. It's the heat, man. I'm, I'm, my compute is a little overheated, too. All right. So Sparrow Wallet. Output reordering, improved transaction tree labels, new features allow non-randomized input output reordering. Moving on, just kidding. Greg, do you want to talk about this update with us? Um, happy to. So, I mean, Johnny has put in this this sort of input output reordering. I actually consider it an, like very much a an, let's call it an extremely minor feature that. Nobody should really use. You should just rely on randomized input and output orders because that is the best way to stay private. There are some very niche use cases, usually for devs trying to construct certain transactions, test certain things out that might want to be able to reorder the randomized inputs and out outputs. But it's it's like I didn't even put it in the the sort of headline release notes. For this release because it's it's really just not something that the majority of people should should be doing is this for the 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 sat sat dick butt people so that they can have their first their first output be be not lost be the dick butt it sounds like he was dancing around that yeah it's the dick butt output yeah i mean you know for sure they will use it you know <laughs> I don't really care about it. If they want to use it, they can. I built it for myself because I had a bug in the transaction di diagram. And uh, I just, you know, I was sitting there and kept hitting Pippin to create transactions to try and reproduce the bug. And I was just getting annoyed. So eventually I decided to add it. I've added it in a way that you can't even really see it. Like it's not like a little arrow pops up where you have to kind of click up and down and all, all of that. So you you kind of it's it's really quite hidden in the UI, and I think that that's that's right because you know people, as I said, people shouldn't really be using it unless they're very specifically wanting to do this one thing. Sparrow has always been keen to allow people to edit transactions in any way that they want to. It's always been kind of there, edit any field that you want, make any you can RBF any any input, you can change the relative lock lock time. Almost nobody ever uses these features. You know, Rob will use them. Yeah, I do. That's kind of kind of you know the level at which you need to be reordering your inputs and outputs is at that that level. There's, there's not a, like a reason not to do it simply because ordinals folk like doing it. Like you know that's a bad reason to not build things is because people you don't like might use that that feature. It's just a really <laughs> dumb reason to limit yourself. I totally agree. Oh, I'm with you there. Like I, I really don't care. It's like people are gonna do all kinds of stupid shit. Let them do it. Yeah, that's fine, but like that's why you added the feature, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's really not. Uh, I, I did have a have a bug. I added it last year, but yeah, I mean, you know. Anyway, people will think what they will think. <laughs> it, it is what it is. How many cats, Craig? How many cats? Listen, listen. This is like for me. Like Sparrow is the first in class like power user wallet in Bitcoin. Like it, without a doubt, it's what a lot of people use. It has the most advanced feature set, the most customization, the best UX that balances the really tight rope of informing consent of users as they go through these really complicated things and giving them the ability to do so. And the idea that you'd get any guff because people want to use your software in a certain way 
like I saw like that on like people on like a bunch of keyboard warriors who are trying to tell you as a free open source dev how to spend his time. Like absolutely insane. So like even if the dick that people are going to use it, do you want Sparrow to be a powerful, useful wallet or do you want a culture like like what's the most important thing here? Having really great software that can do really custom expressive things or making people on Twitter feel really good about themselves in a culture war that doesn't matter. I mean, really, Rob is just another original apologist as the... <laughs> As the people who own one sat on the internet say, you know, like you're just breaking Bitcoin. Anywho, some other useful features on this, which actually people might want to use, are the improved labels in the transaction tree, which is quite nice because you can see a little bit more about what your transaction is doing. And you can also, the, the transaction tab itself loads a bit faster. So there's various small small things in this. It was one of those releases which had a whole bunch of little little things. But this is a this is a good release actually. This is one release, maybe the first one I've ever had where there haven't been any any bugs. Like I can even say today, no no real bugs that I can think of. So to many years, it's nice to get to that that point where you can kind of look ahead and not not be trying to fix things. Um, Congrats, Craig! But I think you jinxed it. It's over. <laughs> I think I did. No doubt somebody's going to report something on GitHub tonight. Aren't ordinals a bug on Bitcoin or something? <laughs> uh, you know, well, thanks, Craig, in getting this in before the halving. I think they're going to be very happy because they want their special sats. <laughs> um, all right, HWI version 2.4.0 added support for Trezor Safe 3. It's really first Trezor Safe. Uh, support for Python uh, 3.12, improved handling for invalid descriptors and ledger devices errors. Question, are you upgrading HWI in Sparrow to 2.4? Already done. So there will be support for the, the Trezor Safe 3 in the next Sparrow release. All right. LibWallet Core version 1.1.0 added PSBT, allow extracting partially fine finalized transactions in wallet. I'm not going to read everything. These are long function names. It's great. <laughs> BDK version 1.0 alpha 0.5. This release introduces block by block API to support BDK. Yeah. The other one too, there's the database support, which is really nice because right now up to this point, it's just instantialized in local memory. And if you like shut it off, like, or like you lose the local like server, or whatever, it's just gone. So I've been circling around the park trying to find uh, Steve Myers to talk to him too, but getting like more proper database backend functionality so you can have all your BDK stuff be stateless as an operation and just talk to a database when you need to, which is much better than just like by default right now, it just stores it as like a flat file, like on the server. So getting that better for more production is, you know, because you guys, because you guys are at the Bitcoin park, you can just probably go get him downstairs. That's exactly <laughs> right. Him to come and talk about it. Yeah, people should check out the Bitcoin park. Very cool. Blue Wallet version 6.5.1, 6.5.0. Added external individual private keys for addresses. Support more wallet export files from, from code card. Add crash detection on watch OS app. And remove Tor. <laughs> what the fuck? Nunchuck Android version 1.9.40. Added the ability to cancel already broadcasted transactions via RBF, option to get reservation pass for each receive address, and they added a few other features. Permanode, 
you can now import an existing Bitcoin Core installation or detailed Parmanode instructions, compile Bitcoin yourself, then import the binaries into Parmanode configuration. Time chain calendar. Uh, I don't know too much about this project. Uh, I don't know if anybody does here. It's the the calendar that shows the the block height and a bunch of stats. Oh, that pretty one, the circular one, right? Yeah, the circular one. Yeah. Okay, oh, that's a cool one. In time chain, the dev does a, does great work. But that whole circle showing like the halvings and the blocks and everything. Yeah, it's great. You want Clark Moody dashboard version two point zero dash beta. Sign in with Noster, new block size module. Choose theme from among ten presets. Uh, two new modules for ordinal inscription stats and uh, not data parity version one. So very normal mempool. It's a very normal, healthy size mempool. Yeah. Yeah. When is he going to increase his mempool size? Your partner in crime does a lot of mempool shaming, and that's not acceptable. It's completely useless stats as a result. <laughs> Marty was reading those stats thinking that they mattered for a <laughs> while. I think he still does it. I have to like correct him every fucking week. Listen. To each their own mempool, okay? We don't discuss mempool size on the show. This is a family show. Yeah, but who cares how many transactions are in Clark's mempool? So it's a very normal mempool, Matt. It's a very normal mempool. Exactly. That's kind of the whole point of mempool. Is his like teeny weeny 300 meg mempool. He is the perfect average. He's an average mempool. It's what you can expect to have on your own mempool. So in that sense, it's, it's relatable. <laughs> no, I'm running a two gig mempool. Matt, he clearly delivers with his little mempool. You use his dashboard all the time. Yeah. Right. Geyser version 0.6.7 exclusive rewards, double denomination stats USD, seamless reward flow. Project Spotlight, Tor Connect. Tor Connect is a simple app with which runs the latest stable release of Tor. The point of Tor Connect is to make Running Tor on your Mac, creating, managing hidden services for Bitcoin Core, easy for anyone. Why don't people just use Brew? Brew services start Tor. <laughs> like, there really is nothing else, and it's just super easy. Like, you don't want to see UI for Tor because you're going to probably screw yourself. I will say, just while Tor's is the topic, their like, proof of work edition that they added to deal with the DDoSs you know, it seems to be helping a lot. I was a little bit, uh, I don't know. I, I appreciate the, the tour folk, everyone maintaining that project, but I was starting to, you know, get a bit disenfranchised with the trade-off models they made in terms of trying to deal with the DDoS. It was basically just centralized ban lists, but this, this proof of work thing seems to be paying dividends. I, I, the performance just across the board has seemed to be a lot more reliable and, and just better. Well, the, what had probably happened, Matt, is that they knocked out all the zombie like bots that were sort of causing issues. And, you know, soon enough that somebody has enough sort of interest. They'll figure it out and come back. Yeah. Dude, they'll just run it on Amazon. Remember, the spooks can do Amazon without budget. Like, <laughs> you know, can you imagine having a CIA credit card so you don't have to go through the back door? That'd be pretty cool. You want to talk about the spooks in RHR, like one of the best RHRs of all time is when I told Marty live on air who funds Tor. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> that is amazing. I, 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 you know, like the, the best thing that like the, the, the NSA ever did is say that the Navy has NIST. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's like, oh, oh, it must be separate. <laughs> 
Anyways, oh, somebody should really make a NIST ad video with like in the Navy. Da, 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 da. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> Matt is just shaking his head through the most of the show. Um, beat escrow beta API launch. Bitcoin can now physically change hands like cash or gold coins. Oh, that was, oh, that's, that's Dosh. It's like some Bitcoin app that loads sats cards. I haven't played a video yet, but it looks cool. Is that using the beta scroll or is that a separate project? Uh, separate. Okay. It's just one after the other here. It's I'm dealing with like Johnny's notes here. Just kidding, Johnny. They're great. Uh, when in doubt, blame the producer, right? Like that's that's how it works. You just went from one project to the next and just kept reading the notes like it was the same project. Dude, like it's it's hard, okay? Like it's hot. That's what I was trying to follow. I, I don't know how people work here, man. <laughs> it's like my, my brain is definitely working different. Like it's like skipping cycles or something. Yeah. So to be clear, bit escrow has nothing to do with Bitcoin physically changing hands like cash or gold coins. That's what I was trying to follow along. It they was one long really sentence, like a literal physical escrow. You <laughs> like, it just kept on going. The sentence just kept on going into the next. You give the South card to this guy, and he's just standing there. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it's just Rodolfo in a trench coat. <laughs> he just hands you a South card. Um, uh, man, I can't imagine wearing a trench coat here. It'll be very hot. I'm shirtless already. Um, Citria, Citria introduces introduced a Bitcoin <coughs> first ZKP rollup aimed at scale Bitcoin while maintaining its security and decentralization. Do they need anything or are they just using like BitVM or something like that? So they're using BitVM. Um, this is, they're the first ones to make a big announcement. And from the conversation, because I got tagged into a couple of them yesterday, um, it's unclear what they've actually done versus what they just took from the... I haven't, like, the code's not open yet to my understanding. They just kind of did, like, a big press announcement. Yeah, and so Super Testnet was saying that they basically took some of his code and ported it to Rust and added some bindings around it, and they were saying, like, they launched. But I think in general, Layer 2s, I know it's been a lot of discussion from a lot of, like, crypto devs coming to Bitcoin, and I think that's kind of the precursor of what this ordinal stuff was, was, like, stuffing all this arbitrary data, is using that arbitrary data to do other things. Like, it's just like people are trying, like there's multiple companies trying to build um, e like zero knowledge roll up in like Ethereum layer twos. And like layer twos isn't really like, I would think the right term in the sense that it's not like an interoperable protocol. Like they're just a bunch of siloed financial services each behind their own kind of custody arrangement. But using BitVM is the ultimate goal and idea for it. That's so funny. The, 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 the shitty FOSS people always do this. They launch a product with somebody else's code uh, it's just we're gonna open any time now, and then if they see any market take, then they, they rewrite the code and they make a single git commit <laughs> with the new code as if they were running that code for a long time. <laughs> Classic. I don't know, man. It, it has very nice graphics and it has a Discord, so <laughs> it's real. It's I a think real starter. It's a you know we need the kind of web designer, you know, the one that fools people into believing it's like a good thing. If you listen, person who was making those websites, if you want a job at a more ethical entity, yeah, come work for us. Baseless, though. <laughs> Baseless. Yeah. I'm looking at the docs. There is no code yet that I see <laughs> so, on here. TBD. TBD. 
But if the market catches up on it, it'll definitely be open source. Like all you need is a week to rewrite it, right? Um, anyways, ah, classic. Um, all right, uh, privacy software. Uh, Unleash.chat version 0.1.13. It was not me, Matt. <laughs> you can now send a report when the chat bot is not performing as expected. Chat mode, UX improvements, re-enable Git repo import. Oh, yeah, so you can import the, the Git repos to, to do analysis there um, and other things. The, the Git import thing is is very cool. I played with that with uh, with NDK and some other of my code, and it, it it's, like, very legit. It's, it's very useful. It was so weird to me because, like, I wanted to put, like, cold card repo into uh, ChatGPT, right? And I was like, why am I downloading a zip file and trying to upload this shit? This is Git. You know, you should just be able to give a URL and it just sucks everything in, right? Um, anyways, we don't, we can't really do Git blame yet because a flag is set just for, for master, right? Uh, but, uh, but like, hopefully one day we can import like the whole history. That would be really cool. Um, Git blame Who powered by AI. Oh, oh man, perfect. <laughs> and you know, when a drone goes and like explodes the person's house, right? Like it's all connected. Yeah. Which Dem did the most bugs. Yeah. Part of the reason why, if you have a new project that just sucks somebody else's open source code, you need to keep it closed until you launch because Git blame by uh, backed by AI could be very, very hard on you. Um, anyways. <laughs> Simple X chat version 5.5.0, uh, private notes with encrypted files, media, paste link to connect, and they're doing a bunch of stuff. The app is improving. Uh, I haven't been using until since my last uh, encounter with multi-device uh, issue. Uh, how, how's that so far? Should I go back to it? You should test it in a low bandwidth environment. <laughs> Does it work? <laughs> no idea. Um, I'm still waiting for uh for us uh, for uh what's the name of that thing Signal to have usernames any day now. Yeah, <laughs> any day, any day. Uh, Signal does uh, work really well in a low bandwidth environment, though. He actually does. I mean yeah. that that app is quite fun, and and you know what their their video calls also improved too. Eh, like it's it's impressive. It goes right through the naval servers. Yeah, I mean you get the the real bandwidth with the good cables, right? <laughs> They want to know that data. If you're trying to drag that shit, you know, you want to make it easy for people to talk to each other. Uh, but you want their phone numbers, right? Um, all right. Lightning L2 solutions, uh, software release and project update. Zeus version 0.8.1. Send a point of sale with inventory management, Nostra contact support, import, and a bunch of other stuff. Very cool. Mutiny node. Version 0.5.8, sweeping from Fedimint balance to self-custodio and a bunch of other updates. Too many updates. Mutiny start OS. So now we can run Mutiny uh, node on start OS. That's great. Uh, Breeze SDK core version 0.2.14, updated. Uh, Boats exchange, Boats backend and Boats web app updated. 10.10.1, a bunch of updates for the DGENs. They want to do longs and shorts uh, on some lightning stuff decentrally, apparently. 
No, they pulled out the lightning component. Oh, now it's just what? What do you use? Ethereum? I call, they call it DLC channels. Okay, but what do you send? I don't understand. Where's the money, Matt? All I know is that they're like, lightning doesn't work for us. Yeah, I mean, that's how most people feel about it. Um, loop version 0.27.0 beta sweep batcher, a new subsystem was added that handles loop out sweeps. Okay. Uh, Torque version 1.5.0. LNP2P bot version 0.9.12. Aqua Wallet goes open source. I'd just like to comment on that. The way not to launch a project is to launch it and then go open source. That is not the right way to do it. I really, you know, I was sitting in a conference and they announced, and we've gone open source, and everyone claps. And I just looked, looked around. I thought, really? Like, really? You're going to clap for that? You know, it's 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 bizarre. Anyone out there who's thinking about doing a project, open source it when you launch, not afterwards. That's that's just should be should be obvious. Beto, that's what the cloners did. You know, like they had ads with our code on it <laughs> before they had the source code open source. No joke. You know, it's a classic. I mean, like people people want to test the market with before putting the effort into actually like writing the code, and they're probably using somebody else's code. Yeah, I mean that might might be true. I, I think that often people just get so excited about doing the launch that you know going open source is kind of seen as oh we'll add that as a feature later on, <laughs> and then we can create a bit more talk talkability about it and that kind of thing. I, I really think it's it's just not the right way to do it. Um, yeah. That's that's my view. Well, some people do it for for the cookie points. Some people do it for the ethos, right? Like, and and I, I, I again, I, I respect how you run your shop. It's it's like it's the right way of doing open source. The other side of that would be it, when you launch something open source, it needs to be useful by other people that are no, not you. So if your code is not documented or if there is no documentation, if it's only consumable by you and your team, uh, then open sourcing at that point is kind of meaningless. You can say that it's open source because you can go in and you can look at the code. But if you can't even, there are no instructions on how to run it, for example, it might make sense to delay. Like I'm trying to take the other side of the uh, of the argument. And yeah, yeah. That's a, fair, that's a fair way of talking. Like, listen, there's a lot of times that people want to just develop in peace. Right. Like, you know, especially like like if you're really inventing something, right, sometimes you don't want your process to be in public. It's not like some people are not public people. They will keep their branch private. Right. Until they're ready to push it out. Uh, but like most oftentimes, those people are not going to squash commit the whole thing. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, and another thing, too, is like, you know, the best most of the best open source is single source anyways. Right, it's like a single dude who actually don't want PRs <laughs> from other people. It's like, please, I'm doing this in public for for source reasons, not for collaboration. <laughs> it's like, please don't collaborate. Right? It's actually very, very common. Um, 
Because, you know, like software is really an expression of, of like how you think too, right? And, and you don't want other people's thoughts in your head. <laughs> so like, please go away. Um, and if you're trying to just fix a typo, like I'll do that myself. Thanks for letting me know. Uh, you don't have to like open a PR as you all know. You're explaining Craig, by the way. Yeah. No, no, it's not just Craig. Like, you know, Doc Hacks is the same way. It's like, please, like, you know, get off my loan kind of thing. Uh, I, I think like most people who are like really, really good are kind of like that. Uh, and then there is like people who are good, but are JavaScript people like Pablo, you know, <laughs> I, I, I was, I was waiting for it. <laughs> uh, no guys, it, it's, uh, you know, th there is many ways to, to do this. Um, and you can often tell when people are being sort of like, you know, not for the software, but more for the, the cookie points. It, it's very obvious to everybody else around. Um, but anyways, uh, yeah, I mean, it's something that we've thought and talked about around like everything we've been building because we've been able to, on top of BDK, basically build a fully functional wallet, like all, like basically taking the Swiss army knife and being able to stand something up. So you have the whole end to end generating PSPTs, generating deposit addresses, you know, generating transaction history tables. And for us, like right now, we've, for the time being, we're not opening it. We haven't formally launched yet, but it's an open conversation on like, we've put a lot of time and effort into doing this. And um, trying to run a business, if you know we launch that, do we just kind of like give away a bunch of our edge and our time and effort into building this? So then any person could just take that go lift and run off with it as a commercial business. Like it's, I've thought about it. I think it'd be yeah. There's definitely trade offs about it, and I'm a proponent of open source software. But it's like a from a business intersection, it's a real, it's a tough thing to try and understand and juggle in general. Don't you think that for for a wallet, you 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 need to be open source? So you can have the output descriptor and with that output descriptor, you could load it into core. So like I can, if you have an output descriptor, you can actually take the actual skeleton of the wallet and verify it somewhere else with an independent software stack. I know Matt's shaking his head, but that is factually true. Like that is something you can do. But it's one thing that, that you can, you must verify each instance, each output descriptor itself. And it's different if you can, if you, someone capable can read the code and verify the code that it will never create a... Nobody, like, you know, realistically speaking, the majority of the people can't read the code or verify the code. It's too fucking complicated to begin with. No, of course, of course. But, but if 10 people can. Well, so, so this is the thing, right? It's like, where is the risk, right? So, for example, with cold card, it must be open because it's a point solution. Right, people will use that for single sig, for example. So the, they have to be able to verify the software themselves. Right now, if it was a, a multi sig in that sense, right? Like if you're using, say, a ledger. No, now they have a backup. But uh, <laughs> if you're using a ledger, which is closed source, right, and you're using a cold card, right, and they are two or two, technically, it's not as much of a big deal because you still have one device that it can verify the code and check, for example, the output, right. Um, you know, there is a lot of nuance on this, right? Uh, it, it's not, it's, it really is not sort of like a, 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 a simple answer again, right? Um, and, 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 you know, you can even sort of drag this into the libertarian problem, right? Which is like, you know, the, the answer to the libertarian answer to, to you don't own ideas, right? Is you have trade secrets, right? But trade secrets cannot exist when you're trying to make everything reproducibly built, right? <laughs> it's literally the opposite, right? So 
you, you know, the, the libertarian thought was not around when we're trying to sign single sig, you know, in uh, in Bitcoin. So uh, it's all very tricky, right? Like we, we don't have very good answers for most of these things, and and I, it's all new too. I, I think in a in a few like a decade or two, we might get to a better a better answer on how to handle some of this thing. Yeah, I mean, I think we we have you know what approaches the right answer, which is what you're saying, right? It's complex. There's a lot of detail, uh, you know, and the further you get down the rabbit hole, the more complex it gets. But you also need a simple answer. You just do, you know, to have a product, you need a simple answer and you need things that just make it 10x easier. So using a hardware wallet makes your setup 10x more secure than it would be without a hard hardware wallet. Using Linux probably makes you 10x more secure than Windows, even though you have these weird kind of, you know, bugs and issues. It probably is 10x more secure just because there's way less people looking to hack into your Linux desktop than they are a Windows desktop. That's yes. five, five, five sort of X of it right there. So you kind of, you also need that side of things, right? You need to have solutions for people who say, what should I do? I don't know what to do. What should I do? Say, so, okay, start off with, you know, a relatively clean computer. Maybe consider either a Mac or run Linux. Use a hot hardware wallet. And if people can just follow a series of simple steps, they'll probably be able to dodge the bullets, right? Um, so I, I think it's it's easier, you know, to get lost in details, but I think you also need to have that side of things. I, I think I think you're spot on. Uh, there is also the issue of install base, right? Like the size of install base matters, right? Uh, for example, you know, there's a lot less people using Linux desktop computers than there is people using Windows, for example, right? Like every call center, every bank, you know, has a Windows machine. So like, and the incentives of attacking those machines to get into the bank teller's computer, right, through him pressing a button or opening a Taylor Swift porn AI.exe, right, like is extremely high, right? So essentially like the way Windows is deployed, it creates the incentive to break Windows, right? Where, you know, some of these other systems, not so much. Yeah, and I, I think if I was to argue against my, myself, one of the benefits that Sparrow enjoys now is the fact that it is relatively widely used. There are a lot of people who have looked at the code one way or the other to ask them to answer a certain question of it or whatever. And, you know, that's a benefit to everyone, of course, because now the code is more highly reviewed. So, you know, you don't want to be using some, something which you and only 10 other people are using unless you are able to read the code yourself, then you're kind of really taking a higher risk. So, you know, I guess that, you know, in that case, you kind of want to go for the middle of the road, the best advice, and not try and be too cutting edge. Yeah, it, definitely. It's uh, it, it's uh, like being cutting edge is for the people that can read the code. You know, uh, there, there, is, there, is, uh, there, is no, there is no way around that, right? Uh, and I, I think people need to respect the fact that they just don't know that most people don't know. I, I think that like a lot of times that's the issue is it's just that like people are unwilling to accept the fact that maybe they just need to either defer or use something else instead of trying something really stupid with their life savings. <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it, you know, like even dice, for example, right? Like don't don't throw dice if you can't understand what's going on. Don't do things you don't understand. Like how they work, right? Because you're gonna probably screw yourself before somebody even hacks you. Um, boy, we're not gonna make it to the end of this list today. 
which is great. It's exactly what we want. Um, all right, Project Spotlight uh, for Lightning. Uh, awesome Cashew. Um, it's uh, I don't know what Awesome Cashew is. A created collaborative list of resources for getting started with Cashew. Well, that's great. Superposition by Mutiny. I have not looked at this. Some DLC Oracle stuff. Sounds like Ben Carmen wrote this. <laughs> uh, ben is the DLC lover. Uh, Note Duel by Mutiny. Boy, they're being proactive. Um, Nutband, experimental minimalist Python only user interface for Cash. Note Duel is is cool. Is um you can write two notes like. Matt and I could have like a DLC style and we can write a note where one of the notes gets published. So the outcome of the, of the, of the bet is the publication of uh, like, for example, I lose the bet to Matt and then Matt publishes, I, I won the bet or something like that. It's kind of cool. Wait, but how, what's the Oracle? The Oracle is, um, so you, you are signing the notes, um, and it, it's like a DLC with the notes. So the 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 oracle this provides a signature that allows the the right notes to be to be published. So there's a third party that's deciding whose notes gets published. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Cool. All right. Nutband experiment. We talked about that one. Noster. <laughs> Another part of the show. Just one or two updates. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna run through it. Uh, demos version 1.7.2, Primo. Uh, they released, uh, they revamped the apps. It's actually working very well. I tried that. Uh, Civic Kit Node version 0.0.2, Snort version 0.2.0, Amethyst version 0.83.9, NoSocial version 0.1.4. Loom version 3.0.1, Yaki Hon, uh, Flash News and Uncensored Noster, Formster, that's kind of cool too. That's a project that uh, creates forms. Uh, version 1.0, Make Prism API, Plebeian Market version 0.0.2 feel free pablo especially you to like interrupt me here and if there is one that you really want to talk about go for it uh yeah loom release 3.0 which adds uh, a bunch of really cool things uh loom is highly underrated because you have to install it on your desktop uh which people don't want to do but it's a really really good client um and yeah it's very it's like a tweet deck style it's, it's it's very cool uh, and I'm going to I'm, I'm going to add my releases because <laughs> they are not in the release list. Please do. <laughs> Welcome to Pablo Review. Yeah, now it's gonna, it's gonna be quick. I released NDK 2.4, um, which adds something quite cool. So we have like in in Noster you can write any kind of event kinds and any with any kind of format that you want, but clients need to render this data in some way. So. Within NDK 2.4, I added validations. So I am wrapping the, the event formats. So I can do NIP enforcement and I can allow clients to choose to not even to be able to ignore events that don't conform to a minimum standard. So for example, if there is like base 64 on where should be text or something like that, um, now clients can simply not even re re uh, receive those, those notes. 
Um, I also released Shipyard DVM, which is a data vending machine that allows any Nostra client to schedule uh, nodes so they can publish events and Shipyard DVM will publish them at the, at the right time, which is kind of cool because this allows Amethyst or uh, Coracle or any client that doesn't run a backend to do things that require a backend. So that's, I, I think that's, that's kind of cool. So Pablo, I, I am interested on this for Unleashed. Like, how do we offer the API using DVMs without some major lift? Uh, there are DVM platforms. Uh, so I wrote one. Uh, there's another one in Go where it, it's basically it takes care of all the Noster stuff and you just wrap whatever APIs you want to provide. So you want to do image generation, you just write a very simple function that says takes the input of text or event or whatever it might be and provides the output with here's the image and that's it. So it takes care of the light main payment, it takes care of the eCache, it takes care of like all the heavy lifting for you. Okay. Well, maybe you should just come work for us. Just kidding. You just have 50 <laughs> companies to run. <laughs> awesome, dude. All right. So, oh, this this one's really cool. The the StartOS Nostra Web Wallet Connect and all the the web the the StartOS things that they're doing for Nostra now are really neat. Uh, I, I think it's uh it's it's nice to see. Like Nostra more than Lightning is very interesting to have sort of like plug and play your own sort of infrastructure, especially for backups. 100%. And and having these little sort of like node on the box things can really help with that. Like, you know, and also like you're not like losing your, you know, your your Bitcoin. Like, you know, you're, you're maybe losing some data kind of thing. Uh, I, I really think it's a nice match. 100%. The guy from Nostrudel, uh, who's here at, at Sovereign Engineering, he wrote the uh, NSEC bunker for uh, StartOS. So, yeah, you're going to be able to just... One click, install Insect Bunker, have your key, and do remote signing from your node at home. Very nice. Um, very, very cool. All right, guys. Uh, Boost part of the show. Uh, thanks for the signal, gents. Just woke up. Great trip. Viva Pablo. Review. Uh, sorry, that was uh, JC Denton, and the second one was KXOTK. Uh, user with many numbers, man, I love these guys. I seriously think give up on Bitcoin. If only listen to the mainstream noise. <laughs> I hear what you're saying about not having patience for idiots, but we all start as idiots. And if new people are coming into the space, we're going to get a lot of retard first. <laughs> Truth. Uh, Piez, uh, I salute you. Emoji. Uh, Z doxed. What you demand is what I supply. Plebe Hodo, best pod to listen bar none, or at the bar with a none. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> user with lots of numbers. I know, right? Uh, if we get up cat before vaults, I'm flipping every table. Yeah, no, it's not gonna, I, my note is, is vaults first with something like CTV. I will purposefully like not be like, I, I'll, I'll join the ossified people if vaults is not part of whatever comes next. I have a feeling that's where we're heading. Did you see um, on a podcast with Vlad, Andrew Polstra said that he was thinking like the next op, uh, soft fork would be Opcat? Yeah, like, you know, the, the Blockstream people want to push Bitcoin in a way that, that makes sense for them. I totally understand, right? Like they're a company and have 
like preferences. It's normal. Like people will have different things that they want, but the only correct thing that everybody should want is upvote. Correct. I mean, I agree with that. I'm a huge fan of Ellen Hands, which gets you partially there with CTV. I think vaulting functionality, like we've talked about this, Rodolfo, that like Bitcoin serves at the pleasure of layer one store of value. And the use cases should be reflecting that, really. I mean, Lightning got three soft forks for it to get started. See, you know, the two time lock up, like soft forks and SegWit to get Lightning going. And it's, I feel like layer one has been outside of the focus when it comes to any sort of protocol discussion like that's all just been sitting there yeah i mean you know and i i've been sort of pushing this now i really think that this soft fork for covenants is going to fail if if the focus of it is is uh scaling lightning only uh as as the narrative uh i i think people are ignoring the fact that like you know most large economic nodes couldn't give less of a shit about bitcoin scaling or lightning scaling uh, it's all like cute and fun and all, but like, you know, Bitcoin is serving very well an ETF. It's serving very well all these other things. Uh, and Bitcoin payments end. At some point they end, right? Because just economics of it. Uh, well, do you think the large economic nodes cared about Taproot really? Uh, I think it was sold to them as if they should care. Yes. I remember very clearly some folks who uh, run large economic nodes institutionally sort of thinking that Taproot was great for them because it was sold that way. Um, you know, Taproot, I think, was nice sort of like, um, it was a nice slip-in kind of bill, right? Like, it was sort of like people were not prepared technically to understand it. And and it was it was just after other things. And, you know, people still dazed and confused about UASF and all that stuff. Uh, I think the next fork is going to be very hard. I agree with that. It's not existential anymore, right? Like, it's not like Bitcoin is breaking because of malleability or, you know, ASIC boost or something else. So um, it's it's tricky. I think I think it's going to take a lot more work. And, and, I, and I think just just lightning as the narrative is it's run its course. I agree. I don't know. Do, what do you guys support? Like what 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 those proposals you guys sort of like? Cross input signature aggregation. CISA. That's a good one. CISA's great. But none of them are uh none of them are um uh like none of the, the people proposing or pushing things are talking about it. Is there code? Is there any reference code for it? Not as far as I'm aware. I mean you know, one of the reasons that I said it, there's a lot of talk about consolidation and wallets since the fees went up. And, you know, if we think about it, imagine we had a situation where creating coin join transactions was like the only way that you could spend your coins, because that's how you got your fees done. Like, that would be amazing. All of a sudden, we have people saying, should I need to go and find somebody so I can do a coin join so I can actually spend this DCA, you know, small UTXOs? Like, I, I don't know, for me, that, that would be a really positive place for us to be. Because now all of a sudden you have people actually making the network more private for everyone. Um, it just seems like such an obvious win. And I struggle to find the arguments against it. I mean, there must be one out there. but um, I haven't heard any arguments against it. I think the reality is there's maybe like 10 people on the planet who we would all trust to write that code and implement it. right? So it's kind of trying to find time on their calendars to like actually build the code. Do they have a Calendly link? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
he's Flockster. You can you can do a coordination on on Master with him. That that would be really funny. Uh, that that was that was a rare case of uh, Matt being very funny. Um, <laughs> okay, uh, the confrontation of physics has really changed the dynamic here. Um, so. Guys, um, this this has been like a super fun, like lots of like great tangents, great conversations. Uh, you know, we still have like a good half an hour here if we want to talk about things. Uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff here on Optech, which I, I'm just gonna, as usual, leave it as a wonderful thing on the people that receive this pod as a as a uh, how do you call that thing? Um, uh, Substack. Um, and uh, show notes on the website. Uh, any things we've missed or we should talk about that are very timely? Uh, oh, including the announcement uh, of 1031 uh, um, having a company that they IPO. That's kind of cool. Matt, do you want to want to talk about that? A quick mention of that. I think it's worth it. I uh, just, I mean, technically they didn't have an IPO, but they are traded publicly on Nasdaq now. Well, it was a reverse RTO on the OS, on the TSX, and then. Move. And it was a SPAC first, um, but the boys at Grid have wanted to go public for a long time. They're finally publicly traded. Uh, it's been a massive, you know, team effort making it happen. Um, Harry over there, Trey over there, their whole team are just fucking awesome. So I'm really happy for them. Um, and just personally, it's just pretty crazy uh, because five years ago, me and Harry were sitting in a coffee shop. And I was like working my shitty like fiat cubicle job. And he was like, asked my opinion on, on whether or not you should start a mining business. And I was like, don't start a mining business. You're going to get fucking wrecked. And he didn't listen to me. He started Grid. And then we met on the tail end. And all of a sudden, like, I'm a, I'm a VC and, and my venture fund is helping him go public. And it's just been fucking five years. So it's super easy to get disenfranchised by like how slow you think things move, but we're moving so fucking quick. All of us are moving so fucking quick and we're really, I think we're really changing the world for better. So it was pretty cool to see. Yeah. I mean, I even lost a bet that I'm going to have to buy a lot of their stock. Yeah. Don't buy the <laughs> stock. Just stay on the stack side. So. That's right. But I have no choice. I lost a bet. Um, And uh, what else guys, what else you guys want to talk about? Craig, uh, what uh, what things you're looking for in terms of like next updates to Sparrow? I'm curious. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to go into that. I'm I'm because I I generally, as you were saying earlier, I kind of like to keep the design space private for a while. You know, um, the private branch. Um, Rob, you want to jump in there? I have a feature request. Oh, uh, we can do this a half an hour feature request. Yeah, yeah, for the next 30 <laughs> minutes, feature request for Sparrow. Um, being able to uh, restart into Signet mode. Okay. Because the only way I can do Signet right now is using command line. And I've ported all of my testing from testnet to Signet. And it'd be just really great to have a non-CLI way of just being able to hit in there. I also noticed that by default, I'm not sure if this is intentional, to talk to Signet, there isn't a public Signet node sitting there that you have to use private Electrum or local core node. Um, I have some suggestions and possible options, but I, I could talk to you offline before I bomb someone else's server publicly <laughs> to being the default. Give him nothing unless he open sources his wallet. 
<laughs> Rob, that sounds like a good a, a good feature suggests. Please uh, send me your public servers if uh, and I will happily chat to them and uh, yeah, I think that that's something that's coming, so very happy to implement that and it's really easy. I have a feature request. Um, uh, have you heard about barbecue QR? I have not. It's great. Um, <laughs> did, oh, actually, actually, Craig, I, I did have an interesting uh, mention to you. So we have found that with the 30% savings on it by just hard typing, right, the, the PSPTs, um, the, like a lot of the PSPTs that people use would fit in a single QR. So, so that's kind of like a nice little uh, 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 anecdote there for you. Um, I, I, we're playing with it a lot internally. Uh, I actually, uh, today I got a picture from the factory guys showing me that they started doing the test production run, which is great for cold card queue. And, uh, as soon as I have a, a, a few units to send out, uh, you, you are on the, you're on the top of the list to get some. Excellent. Excellent. And, uh, and then you can, uh, you can play barbecue QR and, uh, grill this one home. <laughs> Here in South Africa, we don't call it that. We call it a braai. So uh, I will call it braai QR, uh, and I will give it a try. Hey, listen, we can always rename it. It's okay. We get the domain. <laughs> what is it? Brive QR. Braai. Yeah, it's uh, it's um, it's what the barbecue is called in my part of part of the world. You come here. That's what you. There's uh, been a lot of. Uh, Bitcoiners that have recently been educated on certain South African terms, thanking to adopting BDC that happened here a few weeks ago. Well, yeah, how was that? It was great. It was great. It was uh, a really positive for a first conference. I was super impressed. Uh, the guys organizing it had never done anything like that before. It was KG. It was Herman from Bitcoin Akazi. Uh, they did a great job. I, I really must commend them. Um, it was a very cool conference. Yeah, I mean, uh, we we've uh, we've we've dealt quite a bit with uh, Bitcoin Akasi. We sent them a, like a lot of hardware, uh, and uh, those those guys are doing like really cool work. Like it's it's earnest. It's not like you know, it's not for the cookie points on Twitter. It's clear, uh, which is which is a really nice change. I mean, Twitter is becoming like you know like insufferable. It's always been insufferable like here and there, but like the the majority of it is becoming too insufferable. Be the change you want to see in the world, NBK. It's just getting bigger. There's more insufferable people. Noster only. <laughs> Let's fucking go. So, see, the, the mission is the mission is is above my feelings. No bullshit. Here, you know? It's not about it, the no, mission. Totally. Absolutely. No way. You're addicted to it. No, it's uh, we we are there to disseminate Bitcoin and also to to show them Noster, and we're gonna keep on doing that. See, some people just don't have the stomach to be on Twitter. And no, it's it's important for the mission. That's why I'm on Noster. Otherwise, I wouldn't even be on that. Speaking of uh, BBB QR, that's the first fully open source QR code spec, right, Rodolfo? In the history of all QR, it's actually better than that. It's uh, uh, it's public domain, uh, and it's yes, it is the first truly open source QR standard. Not the implementations, which there's many. But standard itself, this is a big deal. The other blue check on this on this conversation just pivoted it with a... Thank you, uh, Rob. Some brownie points for you. <laughs> just talking about free open source software, Matt. I didn't realize that that was a problem. You know, uh, Matt is clearly running from something. You know, his past is maybe a little too colorful for him to, uh, to stomach. You know, 
<laughs> no, man. I respect somebody who sticks with their ideals. Credit to you, Matt. I think Pablo's Nostra only now too, right? It really, Matt? Who runs the 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 ten thirty one account for uh, for the team <laughs> on on blue check? No idea. Oh. <laughs> no, we ten thirty one doesn't have a blue check. Of course not. Um, to our detriment. I mean, that platform yeah. is completely useless without one. It's becoming like you got And OpenSats, OpenSats doesn't have a blue check either. The the best way to keep track of ten thirty one and OpenSats is is by using Noster. You know, you got to give it to Elon, man. Like the guy has really sort of figured out how to make that platform go in a certain direction. It may not be one we like, but uh, but it's not it's not an easy feat. And and you know, like they fired ninety percent of the staff. The app is working better and is going in a direction that you know they want to go. It's not my thing, but uh, it, it is impressive. It's a, it's a very clear direction. It's yeah, no, very, it's impressive. It's, it's, it's impressive. very accelerationist. I, I, I like that part. It, it's, <laughs> it's very. It's <laughs> full throttle. That's great. Yes. Keep I going. Mean, KYC. Let's go. That's, that's right. It's not just that. I mean, like, he's shitting on politicians. He's like, he's, he's there. You know, he's, he's, uh, he's, part he's dog footing. Let's put it this way. It's hard, but he accomplishes being the richest person in the world and at the same time punching up to positions. Yes. It's, it's, it's amazing. Pretty, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be the demise. It's great. <laughs> Talk about Twitter and lack of nuance. Like, this is something that, like, you know, uh, it's missing. It's like this capacity of admiring an enemy. You know, it's like, it's this capacity of, like, appreciating, like, you know, like there's people out there that may be smarter than you that are doing things you don't like, but still be able to appreciate. No, I hundred. Like, I mean, if you know, you're the, the cleverness talking about things. me, like I completely respect his evilness. Like that's why he's a threat. <laughs> <laughs> I am not. I am not mad. You are one of the only people in Bitcoin that has nuance. You know, you do understand that people in outside of North America don't give a shit about privacy, for example, uh, <laughs> and, and it's true. Right, like I mean, like people here couldn't care less, uh, because government is weak here, right? Um, and and in North America, like they they can do things to you. Um, anyways, I um, moved to Costa Rica with that thesis, and it didn't play out as I expected. The government might be, the state might be super weak. It can still fuck you. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, like you know, like it only I, takes one cup with one gun. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I hope he is lube. No, I mean, like, listen, uh, you know, part of having a, a weak government system is dealing with corruption, too, right? Like, that, that's, it comes in the territory, right? Like, like, in the absence of power, something else does come and take over, right? Like, it, it's not like, you know, some, some, uh, some bonanza, right? Um, yeah. Anyways. Okay, guys. Any, Rob, any updates? You? Uh, update on my end, at the start of the episode, we were talking about um, basically like hostile guides trying to drain people. So I immediately went to the Sparrow Telegram group and said, I'm new to Bitcoin. Can someone help me set up my wallet? And I only got one person offering me to DM them so they could help me out. So I think we're doing good <laughs> on the scan numbers. That's a, that's that's a, a two-hour sample size. I wanted to do the test. <laughs> it's looking pretty good. Weak. No, that's, yeah, that's, they, they must be off their game. Yes, because it's normally it's like 50. Like it's crazy, um, yeah. No, you know what's funny? Uh, um, I uh, I used to I used to be part of the the Sparrow Telegram group as well, uh, and uh, you'd get the same guys like on the on the cold card group. It's like the same bots, 
very similar sort of like overlap there of scammers. Uh, but then it's funny because on some other projects, it's actually quite uh, quite far removed. I did not have any Venn diagram of those. Uh, I don't know, some heuristic for us. So, man, Telegram is a bag of hurt. But no other app allows you to create groups that are of any reasonable size. And Telegram refuses to add some decent um, decent uh, 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 moderation for groups, I, I think, because they probably profit from the scams. And they also require phone numbers still. Yes. Well, I'm not sure if you saw it, Rodolfo. Um, Twitter just added a feature that if you're verified and the person you're DMing is verified, you can enable encrypted DMs now. Oh, yeah. I'm sure it's very encrypted. So we, you and I can do some encrypted DMs back and forth. Super secure. <laughs> super secure. You if and I are going to be great. You... We're on super secure, secret comms. <laughs> That's hilarious. I'm going to send you a dick pic and see how long it takes, you know, to... Uh... Actually, I'll send you even better. We can compare the size of our mempools under encrypted DMs. That, oh, okay. Yeah, that should be in the encrypted DMs for sure. Uh... <laughs> and it's encrypted DM because... It tells you to that it's encrypted DMs, right? Yeah, yeah. It has a little lock icon. It lets you know it's super safe. Oh, okay. <laughs> but it's no different than the Noster private DMs. It's way different. You can see the <laughs> encryption. <laughs> the problem is that everybody else can see it too. <laughs> exactly. It's not private. I didn't say secure. It's not private. It's encrypted. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> This 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 episode has been uh, has been funny. Are you guys also experiencing heat? <laughs> um, so uh, Pablo, is everything ready for Bitcoin Atlantis? It looks like it's going to be a big one. It's going to be huge. It's going to be really big. Andre keeps adding more and more stages. So <laughs> Wait, it's I a stadium. <laughs> I think he's uh, the, the stadium is expanding into <laughs> other venues. <laughs> Seriously. Now it, it, it's fantastic. Uh, yeah, a lot of people are going to come earlier. Um, so yeah, it's gonna be very, very good. That's that's pretty cool. Um, all right, guys, I am not gonna hold you guys if you guys don't have any shit to say. Um, you know, th these are people who ship things. So uh, final thoughts, Mister Adele. Consider supporting OpenSats. OpenSats.org. Click that big donate button. We accept Bitcoin and fiat. And if you donate fiat, we'll. Uh... Convert it to Bitcoin. Stay on stack sats. I did have the open sats update here somewhere, but I lost. It's okay. The people who the, the, the three people who listen to the show to the end already know where the open sats button is. Uh Mr. Pablo, any uh, final thoughts or updates? Go for it. Yeah, I, I had a different one, so now I'm gonna do two. <laughs> Riffing off of what Matt just said. Uh open sats have has changed in changed changed many lives, including mine. Uh, it really, really, really works because it works at the edges. Um, so definitely, definitely, definitely consider donating to, to OpenSats. The other one, the one that I had before, is um, that for most people that are shipping things, uh, we, we get stuck in, in trying to accomplish more and, and ship more things and fix the world and all these things. Uh, family first. Yes, don't. Uh, that's a biggie. Family first. That is a biggie. It's very easy yeah. to ignore your kid with a cape beside you as you're trying to record a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you know, anybody with kids understand what I'm talking about. It is, uh, uh, yeah, it's uh, to do uh, to spend time with your with your family because uh, time is more finite than Bitcoin. Um, Mr. Rob, uh, 
Final thoughts and updates? Final thoughts? Uh, build the change you wish to see in the world and spend less time on Twitter. That sounds like something like, uh, uh, what, what's the name of that show? Uh, like Miss Universe would say, like World Peace. Well, that's actually what, I'm not sure if you could tell, but that's what I'm, I'm getting ready for my Miss Universe application. <laughs> it's, working. That's, it's working. It's great. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, thank you, Rob. Uh, Mr. Craig. Yeah, I'll, I'll just uh, I'll I'll uh, go on the open sets thing as well. But come at it from the other side. If you are thinking about building something, uh, or you are you know you're working away on some project and you're wondering should I be commercial, should I be open source, consider the open source angle with a grant from open sets until you figure out what your commercial angle is because it isn't easy to uh, to find a way through on the open source front. It is not a simple thing. And you may need time with your product out there in the market to figure it out. So a grant from OpenSats, the HRF for these kind of um, organizations, Brink is another other one, but I mean, OpenSats, you know, really good, good, um, good option there. Just gives you the space that you need to get your product out there, to get some user uptake, to understand what the users might need. And then you can figure out what your monetization, if that's your, your, your goal you can figure out what that is. So that's my my message to the, the builders and prospective builders. It's actually pretty cool because we've seen basically the incentive flip on its head because a lot of times people kept projects closed trying to get VC funding and a lot of VCs expected them to keep stuff closed. Um, 1031 doesn't, but a lot of VCs do expect that. With OpenSats, we've actually seen people who had trouble getting VC funding because VC funding right now is incredibly tight and has been for the last year. And they they open source their project just so that they can apply to OpenSats, which is fucking awesome. It's a beautiful incentive. There is something like quite beautiful about like adding value to the commas first and then sort of monetizing it, right? Like and finding a path through profit to exist, right? Because grants are not forever. Like, I think it's very important for people to understand the nuance on this, right? Like, profit is freedom. And 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 one way or another, you have to pay bills. And, and you can't just depend on asking people for for like grants and, and donations forever, too. I mean, you could. But, like, realistically speaking, it's a lot harder path, too. Yeah. So, like, there is nuance. There is place for everybody. And, and there is no shame in, like, you know, going from one side to the other and from that side back to the other right like you can start as open source grant person and go for profit and then you can also go for profit and go back to fully open source grants like it's okay to change you can be a profitable open source project i always use sparrow as the example you know now that we have bitcoin and now that we have nostr there's creative ways you can monetize that were not possible before and sparrow is an ironic example because he never took grant funding or vc funding and he's got a sustainable project uh, with coin join fees. But to me, that's like the ideal model. The ideal model is OpenSats, you know, gets you going in the beginning, helps you like actually jump off the cliff and, and focus on this project. And then hopefully you get it to a sustainable spot. So you don't, you don't need that grant funding anymore because you can never count on it being there forever. And also it'd be great if we could get grants to new people instead of constantly renewing people. You know, it's like the, the ones that it's like, you know, not everybody's in a position where they can afford to eat, feed a family, and at the same time write free code, right? Uh, so, so like you know, grants or life circumstance really plays there a lot, right? And and when you have a full time job, writing code on the side to build something is very hard. And a lot of times, that company is going to own your IP anyways. It's on the contract <laughs> to sign, so be careful with that. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, I was just talking to Doc Hex today in uh, in the Linux uh, shitting uh, hour call. Uh, you know, like for example, FreeBSD has greatly improved on on the user space level, but the hardware uh, support is very limited, right? Because that's there's a lot fewer people in the world that can write hardware support, right? That that's for any system, and and you know, FreeBSD is winning in certain categories like extremely well, but like you can't go in other categories because you know there's not enough interest. For people to write that because you know linux has all the shiny stuff right because it has a lot more devs doing the user space stuff uh so like we were actually discussing like how can we get more people to go write hardware stuff and we're like hey you know if we grow we just go and we pay people <laughs> to go write like hardware support for freebsd right we're not at that size yet where we can afford the kind of people that can do that anyways but so I was talking to Peter, like, maybe we should start advertising on this pod for people to go after uh, FreeBSD hardware support, open sets grants, uh, uh, <laughs> until we can afford to, to help those people get there. Um, but uh, it, it's we need the people who write the hard stuff to also look at these things, right? Not just young people who, who are seeking to still build a life, right? Like build a career, build a new startup, but the people who are on the other tail end, so like programmers, they're like looking to maybe retiring and these guys are older. They do the super, super hard stuff. Uh, like, let's be realistic. Most of the people writing, you know, harder stuff are older. Uh, they are guys who grew up <laughs> having to write shit in binary um, and 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 can talk to Chip. So we also want to sort of like try to get some of those folks like back into the 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 cold space and not just like having margaritas somewhere in the world wasting those beautiful brains. This is also why like it's not straight up altruism. Like if you run a profitable Bitcoin business or any any business that relies on these open protocols, you if by 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 supporting open sats, you can actually make your business better and and more profitable and you get a tax deduction. Like so if you're gonna pay Uncle Sam taxes anyway um you know give a piece to open source developers we make it extremely easy extremely efficient yeah listen we're nine board members so like it's very easy to like at least entice five to say yes <laughs> you know like and and no mvk the whole reason we're nine board members is because it's supposed to have some level of friction there so that corruption is kept to a minimum it's the exact opposite no right? it, that's that was a joke matt that was a joke yeah Dude, you don't have to feed the fire though. Like it's a, no, wait, it no, very I, early I on in open sets. <laughs> Matt, Matt, you gotta make just, sure it's very clear it's, to people. It's, it's okay, and and there is also like the committees. Like so, we're having like uh, peers of your industry to come help judge your projects because you know the board members may not be qualified to have an opinion on certain projects, right? So the whole point of the thing is we're just doing this for pure masochism because we make like zero dollars we literally make no money it's 100 percent pass through like zero it's it's in the charter of the thing that there is no money from any grant to pay for us so um it's pure masochism and then we go and we take pain from the people complaining about it which i really don't give a shit because i don't make any money from it so i'm not paid to give a shit uh so uh but yes, now it, it's really cool uh, thing. I don't want to toot the horn of uh, our horn too much, but it, it really is a cool org, um, and is doing a lot of good, and it's gonna get a lot more money, and it's gonna do even a lot more good. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, and hopefully we're gonna have other countries at some point where we also have a nonprofit there, so you cannot pay taxes in those countries too, and and donate to good open source instead of you know enriching the government. 
Uh, that's the best part that I love about this. It's like, <laughs> you know, like instead of paying taxes, it's so fucking simple. Like the money goes to taxes you give to this org. And it was a pain in the ass to get that designation, 501c3 designation. So like take advantage of it, people. It is the hardest part. Okay, let's wrap. I want to get lunch. Go get lunch. Bye, Matt. Peace. See you, man. <laughs> Ciao. <laughs> hey, listen, guys. Thank you so much for coming. This uh, this was awesome. As See usual, you, uh, you know, we just ramble for two hours on software updates. And uh, thank you so much for everyone for listening. And if you made it this far, go listen to the other fifty nine episodes uh, because uh, there is a lot of hours for you to hear. Thank you, guys. Take care. Thanks for listening. For more resources, check the show notes. We put a lot of effort into them. And remember, we don't have a crystal ball. So let us know about your project. Visit bitcoin.review to find out how to get in touch.